Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. The following message is titled, No Limitations, and was spoken by missionary Chris Gibbs. We hope and pray this message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. Matthew chapter 17, reading verses 14 through 21. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oftentimes he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why could we not cast him out? And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. And I want to draw your attention back to verse 20, the latter portion of that scripture, where it says, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible to you. And I want to preach today from this subject, no limitations. No limitations. Before we are seated, I want us to pray together as a unified body of believers today. And I want us to pray to this end that, Lord, in this year and in particularly this day, Lord, we are going to see you, Lord, move in this house with no limitations. I'm believing at the end of the preaching today, we are going to call people forward and we are going to see God heal, restore, mend, whatever it is we have need of. If you need a miracle, God is a miracle working God. If you need salvation, He is already already paid the price and he is ready. If you need forgiveness of sins, the blood is still flowing and he's ready to take care of that. But I want us to pray today that the altars will produce and that our faith will be lifted and we will believe God for the impossible today in our lives. Amen. Let's lift our hands and our hearts and let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for this day, Lord, that you have gathered us together on this first Sunday of this year, 2020, Lord. But Lord, the year doesn't really matter as much as who is here. And we know you are here here, Lord, and your people are here, Lord, and we have gathered together for such a time as this. I pray today, Lord, let faith be loosed in this house, Lord. Every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl under the sound of my voice has been given a measure of faith. Let that, Lord, explode today in our lives. Let us truly believe the word of God that says all things are possible to them that believe. Lord, you see sicknesses and diseases and circumstances in the lives of people today in this house. Some have prayed for them long, as Brother Bethel has said, and have seen no remedy. But today, God, through our faith in you and our confidence in you, Lord, the impossible can become possible. Healing can come where there has been no answer. Direction can come where there has been no clarity. Today in this house, Lord, I speak by the word of God and by faith, Lord. Let healings and miracles and signs and wonders be loosed in this house, not be 
because we're worthy, but because you sit on the throne and you are high and you are lifted up and your train of victories will fill this temple. You are the God of yesterday and today and tomorrow and you change not God. And our confidence is not in the arm of flesh nor in the will of man, but in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you believe the Lord is going to do something great in this house today, if you believe the Lord is still a miracle working God, I want us to clap our hands, not out of tradition, not out of request by your preacher, but because the Lord is worthy to be praised and what he said, he shall do it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for every miracle. Thank you, Lord, for every healing. Thank you, Lord, for every withered limb being straightened. Thank you, Lord, for healing every heart condition in advance. Thank you, Lord, for striking down diabetes. Thank you, Lord, for healing hearts emotionally and physically. Thank you, Lord, for removing from us, Lord, clouded thinking. Thank you, Lord, for doing a work in our bodies mentally, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. You do all things well, God, and we thank Thank you for it in advance. And we shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. It shall be done. It shall be done. When I step out of this building today, I will not be the same as when I walked in because I serve a God that is truly able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all I can ask or think according to the spirit of the Lord that worketh in us. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The Holy Ghost is here. And if the Lord is here and we are here and faith is here, everything is possible. Everything is possible. I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be presumptuous. But if in your mind you've already said, Brother Gibbs, it's just another service. I've been to the altar a hundred times. I've prayed for the same need and nothing's happened. And that's what will happen again today. Then I'm preaching to you today. Please don't feel that way. There's something. I, I know the saying goes around. It's everywhere. It's on the internet. It says, you know, doing the same thing over and over and over again. It's insanity. And I know that makes sense to the human mind. But that's not in Scripture. Because there's something powerful about a faithful person that keeps knocking on the same door. Jesus just said, you keep knocking. When they say, go away, keep knocking. The world will say it's insanity. You don't just keep doing the same thing over and over again. The Lord says it's faith when you just keep knocking on a closed door. When the voice behind the door says, go away. It's not your time. Just leave me alone. The Lord said, I'm looking for men and women who will refuse to hear that and just keep knocking doing the same thing over and over again. It's also called faithfulness, doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, expecting and believing change. It's not insanity. It's faith in God. I don't see it. I don't feel it. I don't, I don't understand it. Do it over and over and over again. Keep dipping, Naaman. Not once, not twice, not five, not six. You got to go again until I know you're convinced. There's something powerful about faithfulness. There's something powerful about just pressing on in the kingdom of God when everything around you says just sit down and quit. Go ahead, sit down. <laughs> don't quit. There's something powerful about refusing to let what you see, what you feel, and what you experience around you dictate what you feel from God. 
It, it's that old prophet Elisha that, that said, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Brother Bethel's already alluded to that. But it's him that gets down on the ground, puts his head between his legs, and buries himself on the ground. That's the strangest thing to me in Scripture. But you know what Elisha understood? I already heard from God, and I refuse to let what I see around me dictate what God has already said. Sometimes we've just got to bury our head in a place of prayer and faith and say, I don't care what I see. I don't care what I experience. Elijah said, I'm not going to look at a clear, beautiful, sunny sky and let it dictate because I've already heard from God the sound of rain. God has promised some of us some things. He's promised all of us some miracles, signs, wonders, healings, because that's what he loves to do. But when we look around us and we see the things and the perplexities and the unanswered prayers at times, it challenges our faith. But faith says, I refuse to quit. Faith says, I refuse to give up. Faith says, I will continue pressing on knowing that change is going to come. There's power in moving forward. Jesus said, nothing shall be impossible unto you. We read it so casually, we preach about it so casually, but basically Jesus said, there is nothing off limits to my people. Amen. Nothing. No clause, no asterisk, no uh, look it up later. He said, nothing which shall be impossible. When I, I looked up the word impossible, I know what it means. You know what it means. But Jesus said, nothing shall be impossible unto you. That's, that wasn't just for the ministry. That wasn't just for the disciples. That's for everyone that is filling this building today. He said, nothing shall be impossible to you. Elbow someone next to you and tell them that means you. What does impossible mean? Nothing shall be impossible. It means hopeless, inconceivable, insurmountable, preposterous, unattainable, unimaginable, unthinkable, unworkable, incurable. It's a no-way situation, a no-whim, out of the question, cannot exist, ludicrous, absurd, and offensive. What Jesus was telling us today is nothing shall be hopeless. Nothing shall be inconceivable. Nothing shall be insurmountable. Nothing shall be unthinkable. Nothing is incurable. Nothing is ludicrous. Nothing is absurd. Nothing is preposterous. He said, nothing shall be impossible unto you. And Jesus said, nothing shall be impossible to us, but all things are possible. There are no limitations to what God can do in our lives. I was talking with the ministry in the office this morning. A pastor said to, to share something. I told them they would hear this today. And to those that were there, here you go. Most apostolics believe God can perform miracles. I think we all would agree with that. Most Pentecostal apostolic people believe God can do miracles. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? But few believers think that God can perform a miracle for them. Almost everybody, if we took a private vote, we'd be in the 90, probably 6, 7 percentile of this audience of believers that would say God can do a miracle. But when you ask them, can he do it for you, the number would drop to around 50%. And even fewer believe that God can perform a miracle through them. Drops even lower. 
But I want to encourage somebody today that the Lord not only wants to perform miracles, he not only wants to do things in our lives for us, he wants to flow through us. That's his desire. Jesus loved for the miracle to be in the hands of his people. The first miracle we find in scripture was where the water was turned in the wine. And Jesus made sure that he set a precedent in the beginning for everyone to see and to follow that his disciples and his people would always have the miracle in their hands. It was the servants that just showed up for the wedding. They were there doing a menial task. They weren't expecting to be in any limelight. They weren't expecting anything outrageous or wonderful. They were just hoping to probably stay back in the shadows, wait till the wedding was over and get all the leftovers and go home. But in the midst of that wedding, they run out of wine and we know the story that Mary looks at Jesus and says, we need you to help us. And Jesus shows her immediately, I I'm not interested. It's not my time. It's not any of my business. But Mary understood. I understand how he works. He wants you to keep speaking by faith. Mary did not argue with Jesus. She did not even ask him again. She just looks at the servants and says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And Jesus is probably standing there with his hands in his pocket thinking, I didn't say I would. But his mother knew who he was. And she knew something about the gift of God that she had raised, that he desired people to keep pressing and pushing by faith. And as soon as she says that, it's not long. Jesus looks at the servants and says, go grab some um, um, vases and, and vases and baskets and, and let's get ready. We're going to do something. And those servants are carrying the water that they filled with their own hands out of the well. They put the water in. They inspected it. They knew what was there. They cleaned the vessels before they put in the water as the custom was. They knew what was on their shoulder being carried back. And you know, invariably, water was probably splashing in and out on them as they were going back to the wedding. But somewhere between them getting the water and getting back to the wedding, something splashed out and it wasn't clear. And they, somebody probably said, stop, let's set down the vessels. And they set them down and looked in there and realized that a miracle had taken place and it was a part of them and it was in their hands and it hasn't changed from the first miracle until this day. The Lord loves for the miracle to be in the hands of his people. Amen. He loves for us to get involved. And you look at the last miracle we find in scripture uh, in the New Testament where Jesus is still in his earthly ministry. And that is where there's a voice from the shore that says, have you caught any fish? And that Peter is out fishing. He is despondent. The Savior is gone and he is wrestling with all of these things. And he says, no, we've not caught any fish. And the voice says, cast your nets again. And he remembers from uh, Luke chapter 5 where that happened many years before. And he does it again and the miracle comes and the disciples hands are filled with fish in those nets 153 to be exact and they realize the miracle was in their hands again and Peter swims to the shore and we know the story but the reality is in the first miracle and the last miracle the Lord was showing us I always want my people to have a hand in the miracle amen Let's cover it again. Most people believe he can do the miracle. Fewer believe he can do it for them. And even fewer believe he can do it through them. God wants to use us as his children to operate and to flow through. He wants to operate through us, not just on Sundays at New Life Christian Center, but in the job place or at the school. Anywhere we are, the spirit of the Lord can flow through us and begin to meet the needs of somebody around us. We should not have prayer meetings only in the altars of a church, but in an office of our co-workers. 
I feel like Preston, that was pretty weak. Not too many claps on that. There's something powerful when we realize God wants to flow through us to do great things. There's power in letting him move and operate in our lives. In John chapter 14, in verse 12 through 14, these three very familiar scriptures, Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, he shall do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Jesus made it crystal clear in these verses. He said, if you will believe on me and you will ask and you will put works with your faith, nothing shall be impossible. In other words, there's no limitations. He's reiterating what we read in Matthew already this morning. But let, let's make sure that no one is confused because Jesus said, the works that I do shall ye do also. And, and sometimes we think, well, this is early in, in the writings of, of the Gospel of John. Maybe Jesus healed a few colds, and maybe it was nothing really major that he performed because he said we would also do these same things. Let's look at what Jesus performed, what miracles he performed up to this point in John chapter 14 that Jesus said that you and I would be allowed to operate through us. He turned water into wine. He read the mind of the Samaritan woman at the well when he said, you have well said you have no husband for you have had five husbands and the one you're living with now is not your husband. He healed an official son and he healed a man who laid at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years of his crippledness. He fed 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves and two fish and had 12 baskets remaining. He walked on the water during a storm and he healed a man who was born blind and for good measure he stood at the grave while everyone was crying and said, Lazarus come forth. These are the miracles he performed up to that point when he said, these things shall ye do also. Hallelujah. God wants to flow through us. He wants to operate through us. It's not a gimmick. It's not TV evangelism. It's not all of those things. This is what God designed for the apostolic church, that his power would not just save us, would not just sanctify us, would not be our golden ticket to heaven, but it would allow us to have life and life more abundantly. It was given to us to operate and to flow through us. It's his will for the miraculous to flow through us anywhere we are. But we've only got to believe it and we've only got to speak it. If we will do our part, God will do his. He's waiting for us to step in and do these things. The works that I do shall ye do also. He wants us to pray for the blind. He wants us to pray for those that have been crippled for 38 years. He wants us to pray for an official son. He wants us to feed the multitudes. He wants us to step in and believe him because he said all things are possible. No limitations. Amen. There is power in Jesus Christ, the same power that allows the miracles to flow in our lives as believers, this same power and same spirit he has given for it to flow through us and to operate through us so we can see the kingdom of God operating here and now. Jesus didn't just stop there, though. 
was doing miracles that he would do. But we read in these scriptures today that Jesus said, not only will my people that are filled with my spirit do the works that I do, but greater works than these shall you do. Because whatever you ask in my name, he said, that will I do. I read a quote from Brother Lee Stone King this year, and I loved it. Brother Stone King made the statement. He said, if you speak to your mountain and it does not move, then climb it. <laughs> if you speak to your mountain and it does not move, sit down, suck your thumb, think God has failed and go home. It didn't say that. If you speak to your mountain and it does not move then climb it in other words refuse to give up refuse to walk away without an answer and say God I am trusting you to step in and to do the impossible we need a move of the Holy Ghost in 2020 that it comes over the people of God and something rises within us I pray today spring up oh well stir the gift of God that is within you to believe again and to dream again and to speak the impossible and to believe for the impossible. The Lord wants to get involved. The Lord wants to move in our lives. There is no formula for a miracle, but only faith and works in Jesus Christ can bring the answer. The Lord wants involved in our lives in miraculous ways every single day. Not just for healing of the blind, not just for the raising of the dead. There are so many miracles that we don't even comprehend or understand that is a miracle. I can think if we go across this congregation and have people begin to stand up and testify, you could give of how God stepped into your life and did something that you know no one else on planet earth could have accomplished or got done. That is a miracle also. And we've all seen the greatest miracle of all, and that is someone receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. It's still the greatest miracle of all time. How salvation can come. The Lord wants involved in our lives in a daily way. He wants to heal. He wants to restore. He wants to astound. He wants to amaze us. He wants to blow our minds. He wants to fill us with his spirit. He wants to wash away our sins. He wants to cover us with his name through baptism. We are his children. We are his heirs. We are his sons. And we are his daughters. And he wants to give us these things. And he wants to see us use them and operate in them and live in them, not every once in a while hear me today there's nothing greater than relationship with Jesus Christ nothing greater I've told our guys probably a hundred times this year as we travel across churches in Malawi don't underestimate the power of repentance it's beautiful when people are filled with the Holy Ghost it's awesome when the waters of baptism are troubled but don't ever ever underestimate the power of repentance because the angels rejoice over one because they understand when a man or woman understands and realizes I've been walking this way in my own ability my own power my own thinking my own reasoning and I realize today that I need God and I need a savior and they begin to repent and turn from that way and begin moving this way towards the cross and this way towards God. Heaven has her party and we should also have a party. There's something powerful about a man or woman repenting before God. 
Because the angels know if they make that step, they're going to keep moving in the right direction. It won't be long relationships coming. It won't be long baptisms coming. It won't be long Holy Ghost is coming. It won't be long they're going to be called into the ministry to do something great for God. It won't be long that they begin to witness and testify to everyone around them and they become a bright and shining light in their world. The enemy knows that. That's why repentance is so powerful. But God wants involved in our lives daily. He wants to see things operating and moving in our lives every single day. A pastor said it when he was talking about prayer and fasting, that he wants to see people involved in the kingdom every day. And that's the heartbeat of God. He doesn't want to just get involved in our trials and our tribulations and our trouble. He wants to get involved in our good things and our basic decision making. God wants that involved in your life. Don't let it shock you. Don't let it amaze you. We've all sung about it. We've all talked about it. While he was on the cross, I was on his mind. We've all said it, and we know it's true. He would have died for any one of us in this building. He loves us that much. Why would he not want involved in our lives every day? I've been so blessed and I've been so happy that while Caleb has been IBC, we didn't know what to expect. If we would hear from him once a year, once a month, we didn't know what would happen. But up till this date, we have heard from him every single day since he's left for college. And you don't know what that does to the father to know that he wants to talk to us and see what's happening and ask us things and tell us about his day, even things that are funny and, and, and just trivial. I'm excited. It lifts me up. Brother Weaver, I just get happy when I hear about his laundry stories <laughs> or lack thereof. He's on the once a month program. No. <laughs> when it falls off the wall, it's ready. Amen. No. I will give him and his roommates credit. They won the award for the cleanest dorm in the entire Bible school. So that was good. <laughs> Cleanliness is next to godliness. <laughs> but, but just hearing about his day, it's trivial. And to most people, it wouldn't matter. But to the father, it does. And how much more does our heavenly father want to hear about our day? Any parent in this room, you would get involved. You would stumble over yourself to get involved in your kids' smallest problems or their little, littlest victories. You just want in the midst of it. You want tainted by it. You want covered by it. You just want to roll around it like a pig in slop. You want near your kids, don't you? How much more does God want involved in our days? I don't want that boy calling me only when he's heartbroken or he's sick or he's got a problem. Because then I'm, or, or when he's broke. I don't want those calls because the reality is I'm not a fool. And I know if he only calls for those things, he's only calling me when he needs something I can provide. He can't. And you know what? I'm willing to do that as a parent sometimes, but you don't know, but we all understand as parents what it does for us when they need us and they want us involved and we know they could do it themselves, but they just wanted to engage us and pull us into it and bounce the ideas off of us. And you know what? Many times we've got ideas a little bit, maybe at another level than them because of experience only. But can you imagine if we would get God involved in our Mondays and our Tuesdays and our Wednesdays and our Thursdays and our Fridays and our Saturdays, Sundays would just be, uh, it would be explosive because all week long we would have been with the master. We would have been hearing from him. He would have been healing and mending and filling me and fixing this and repairing that and telling me this and listening. I, I, I know God wants involved in our lives that much every day, but do we want him involved that much? 
The only reason we would say no is because of sin. If we don't want him involved in our everyday, it's sin. Because we don't like it when the light comes in the darkness. We don't like it when we get uncovered. We don't feel comfortable when we come in the presence of God. We don't like it when the worship starts because it begins making me feel like I am unrighteous and I am not worthy. Well, the truth is we all are. That's why we've got to respond to him. There's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. I want in him. I want involved in him. I want to live in him. I want him to abide in me. It's relationship. I, I laid awake in my bed this year in Malawi and I, 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 I laid there and wrestling and frustrating and thinking about many, many things about the future and about current events, just things that we all do as adults and parents and even as youth, we all do it. And I laid there and I wrestled and I remember the Lord spoke to me so boldly and so plain and he said, you've got questions. I said, Lord, I do. And he said, and I've got the answers. And I jumped out of bed and went to our prayer room and I sat down there for hours and I asked questions, Lord, what do I do about this? And within 10 seconds, an answer would come and I wrote it down on my notebook. I'd ask the next question, Lord, what do I do with this? Not having one thing in my mind how to solve it. And instantly the Lord would speak to me and say, write this down. And I wrote down for hours over 20 some things that God said, I've got, you've got the questions, but I've got the answers. And I've been watching him as I begin to implement his answers, bringing divine direction and doing things that only he could do. God wants involved in your life every hour of every day. He wants to work miracles in your life every day. He wants to step in and show you, I love you and I want involved every single day. If you believe that, let's clap our hands under the Lord today. Lord, I want you involved in my rising up and my sitting down. When I'm walking by the way, everywhere I go, Lord, at school, at the job, at family, at friends, everywhere I go, Lord, be with me. And let me be aware of it, God. Let me not be ashamed when the Spirit of the Lord comes on me in a restaurant. Don't let me be ashamed when the Spirit of the Lord says, go invite that person to church as I walk through the aisles of Kroger. Don't let me be ashamed to see somebody in need and the Spirit of the Lord urges me to go. Let me, Lord, say yes, yes, yes to you this year more than I've ever before. The Lord wants to operate and move in the life of his children, in the life of a believer. But remember, most apostolics believe Jesus can perform any miracle, but fewer believe he will do it for them and even fewer through them. Brother Gibbs, these miracles you preach about today were done by Jesus Christ himself and his disciples like John and Peter and even the great apostle Paul. And people wrestle with these things and they say, I'm not like them. I'm not Paul. I'm not the apostle Peter. I didn't, I wasn't given the keys of the kingdom. I wasn't there to see and hear all the things that Jesus shared. John said the books of the world wouldn't contain the things we've seen and heard him do. But you know what? The Lord has empowered us. We are his children. He has given us everything we need. And he told us so plain and clear, the works that I do, you shall do also. And greater things than these shall you do. That's why in 18 days, more people have received the Holy Ghost than the entire book of Acts combined. That's why in 15 days, we see more miracles and healings across the world than the entire Bible combined. Do you realize that? God is moving in miraculous ways around the world. 
You may not see it. It may not be on Twitter. It may not be on Facebook, but it's happening around the world. Even in our own country, I'm astounded every single day that we get reports from a pastor of how God stepped in and performed a miracle, how God healed somebody, how God poured out his spirit. I was amazed earlier this year, just about six weeks ago, when we went into a small village service, we had to travel about three hours one way to get there, and it was rough road the whole way. And we walk into the service, and there's about 85 people there. And before the service ended, 31 people got the gift of the Holy Ghost, and a small little village three hours from a main road in the nation of Malawi. God is pouring out of his spirit upon all flesh in this hour. Jesus said, greater things than these shall you do. Look at someone next to you and say, that means you. It is in you, but only believe. It's in you, but only speak it. We have to expect it and we shall have it. But others would say, Brother Gibbs, the miracles you speak of, you're 2,000 years old. But this church today we know is full of miracles. If we took time to have everybody get up and testify. But let me give you some current examples of miracles and things that God is doing. I pro uh, provided the multimedia team some slides. And this one's called Hungry Soul. You see this man right here. We were in a district conference in the city of Salim, about four hours north of Blantyre, where we live. We went into this service, and it was tremendous. God filled many, but over 70 with the gift of the Holy Ghost. It was tremendous. But on Sunday, this man got up and began to testify. And he said, I, I'm a Presbyterian. I've been in the Presbyterian church 30 years. And he said, I have been very, very ill, close to death. And he said, I have been praying for years for God to heal me. And he said, the healing has not come. He said, but I was listening to my a radio advertisement came on in my house this week of a special service in Salima. And it gave him the name of the church, even the address. And the advertisement even said that Brother Mbewe and Brother Chapongo would be there to pray with you for your healing. And he said it. It just moved me. When I heard that advertisement on the radio, he said, just something stirred in me. He said, I knew I wasn't United Pentecostal. He said, I was Presbyterian, but he said, I just knew God was pushing me to go to this service. And he said, I went to the service and he said, it wasn't even a service. They were just there setting up, getting ready for the district conference. And he said, brother Mbewe was there. Brother Chapongo was there. He said, those men prayed for me. He said something. I knew God had touched me. He said, I end up getting it confirmed because I've been totally healed and God has restored stored my body completely. And then he said, it led me to baptism. And then he said, I come out of the water. And he said, it, it, was, it was in July, which is our cold season. So it's in the 40s in Malawi. So it's very cold to people that are used to 70s and 80s year round. And he said, I came out of the water speaking in another tongue. So not only was he healed, but he was also filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. His sins were washed away. And he said, my life has been completely transformed. And he said, all that sounds great. He said, but let me tell you people something. He said, I started thinking about how my life has changed and what was the root of it. He said, the root of it was that advertisement on that radio. He said, I began thinking 
I don't have a good radio and my radio doesn't work, I don't think. And he said, I went to that radio with advertisement come and realized the radio had no batteries in it and it wasn't plugged in. And he said, that radio, I took it to a man to get it fixed. And the man said, I can't even fix this radio. That radio has not worked. He said, I didn't even think about it. He said, I just was oblivious because I heard the advertisement. He heard a message on a radio that was irreparable, that did not work, that they couldn't get to work, but God used that to speak to a man to bring healing and baptism and salvation. And that man said, if you don't think God will do anything to reach a lost soul, you're all crazy. He said, I'm living proof of it. And guess what? Brother and Bayway and Chapongo, I asked them to go up there because they were youth president and Sunday school. They weren't even supposed to go. But your God knew they would be there in time for setup. And your God knew this man would hear an advertisement on a radio that didn't work to bring salvation and turn his life around. That is a certified miracle. That shows that God wants to work in our lives. If we will listen, God will work. I remember traveling to South Africa years ago, going into Palabora, far up in the Northeast. It's the last area of South Africa with malaria. And I was the only one that was willing to go. I go into the service and there's literally a hundred people in the service. On Saturday night, I'm in the, the, the church praying. The church was very small. Nobody could come to the altar. Everybody just had to, to stand in their rows where they were. And we all prayed. And I prayed for a lady. And some of you have heard this before, but I want to encourage somebody that maybe hasn't. And I prayed for this lady on Saturday night. And, and I have to be honest, just, there, there was no tinglies. There was no nothing. It just felt dead. And I said, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I know you want to do something in this lady's life. And I stopped praying. I said, God, do something. And I began praying again. And all of a sudden, I felt the Holy Ghost come over me. And I felt the power of God flowing through me, just a nobody. And I knew something was happening. And all of a sudden, that woman begins, after about four minutes, after praying to her, I was praying in her ear. It was weird. I don't know why I was doing that. I don't normally do that. And I'm just praying in her ear. And I knew God was speaking to her. And all of a sudden, she shouts out. And she's filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And, and, and she's, it's just awesome. And I walk away. And I go to the next person. And, and I, I, I don't think anything about it. And Sunday morning comes. And my interpreter, Brother Beneth Michelli, he can speak 11 languages. Smart man. The lady gets up and testifies and the church goes crazy and I don't have a clue what she's saying because she's speaking Zulu and they don't speak Zulu in that area, but Beneth knows how to interpret for everybody. And long story short, she said, I came here to visit my brother. I came to visit him and I, I just wanted to visit and I didn't know there was a church service. I came and she said, I was in the service last night praying because I need God to do something in my life. And she said, all of a sudden that white man came up and began to pray for me. And she said, I just, nothing really was happening. But then she said, it was funny. He stopped praying and then all of a sudden he leaned in my ear and began speaking fluent Zulu to me explaining the oneness of God the baptism of the Holy Ghost and Jesus name baptism and she said I knew if that white man could speak my language that God loves me enough to do something in my life and she said I begin to pray then and I begin to speak in a language I didn't learn I'm telling somebody that was in 2001 it's never happened since but God reached the one and left the 90 and 9 he will do anything to reach a soul. He will do anything to bring healing or salvation. Doing what's right. This pick, doing what's right. Look at this man. I love this brother. He came to our first crusade. He was a faithful man. 
he fit in the category of insanity. Doing the same thing, pastor, over and over and over. Not for two years, 22 years. He brought his two daughters to church and refused to walk in the building. Sanity. 22 years, takes his kids to church, but he won't go himself. But on that day, he walks into the crusade. And the Lord beautifully fills him with the power of the Holy Ghost that you've seen there. And there's another picture here I want to show, I think, that goes with this one. There he is in the general conference. Every single service we have in Malawi, it doesn't matter where it is, that man pays for a minibus to carry him to the service, and you don't have to ask him. He will be in the altars paying it forward, praying for people to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Because for 22 years, he didn't have it. He didn't have those things. But by his persistence and taking his kids and doing what was right. God honored him, filled him with the spirit. And now he is at every service praying people. That man right there has prayed hundreds of people through to the gift of the Holy Ghost because he's thankful for what God did for him. It's a miracle that God would use him that way. Unified faith. This one we were in Palombe, actually not Palombe, this was Chikwawa, southern Malawi. We were there holding a district conference, and we only had about 75 people there. It's a small district. It's very, very hot. 100 degrees is a cool day there because you drop out of the mountains of Blantyre. And we were there in this service with about 70 people. And at the end of the service, we had people come forward, and we said, who needs prayer? And then on Saturday night, this little boy came forward with his mother. The mother carried him up there. It was pitch dark. We had no lights. We only had a, a light on one of the Amers heads. Riley Gann, one of our Amers, had a hunting light. Thank God he brought it because that's all we could see with and this little boy was brought up by the mother we prayed that night nothing happened it did nothing happened and we just said God you know what you're doing you're in charge of the miracles we're not but then Sunday morning she brings the little boy forward again and this time she comes up and when we look at the boy he's got amulets and bracelets on his arms and his ankles so we know that he's been to the witch doctor so we told the mother and then now we're understanding why nothing happened on Saturday night and we asked the mother, we said, obviously, you're not a believer. You're not in the church. You've been to the witch doctor. She said, I have. And she'd been crying. And she said, I will do anything for my boy to be healed. She was so desperate that she went to a witch doctor, paid money, expecting these amulets and bracelets to heal him of his crippled feet. The little boy was 18 months old, had never walked, and they had to hold him to even stand. His feet were all turned under. And as she asked for prayer, as I got ready to pray for the little boy, the Lord spoke to me and said, these people need to know that it's not in you, it's in me. And if they will unify together, they don't need a missionary to see the miraculous. All they need is faith in me, the Lord spoke to me. And I told them the quick story of when they lowered the paralytic man down through the roof of Peter's mother-in-law, mother's house and, and lowered them down into that house. And the Bible says, when Jesus saw their faith, he healed the paralytic. And the Lord reminded me that story. I told that to the 70 some people that were there. And I said, you don't need me. The power is not in me. I'm your missionary. God can use me just like you. But it, the Lord was wanting me to know those people needed to know the power wasn't in just the ministry, but it was in them. And I said, I want you people to gather around that child and pray. I'm not praying for him. The power of the Holy Ghost is in you and you and you. And if you will pray by faith, the same God that I serve is the same God you serve. The same God that hears me is the same God that hears you. Pray by faith and watch God do something. Those 70 people gathered around that little boy and they begin to pray. And within two minutes, the next slide, it shows the little boy walking, the feet unwithered, the toes unmoved, and the boy starts walking for the first time in his life. And 
and the mother began weeping and God filled her with the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, God can use anyone to, for the miraculous to flow through. God can use your pastor. God can use Sister Keller. God can use the ministry. God can use me, but he wants to use you. In this year, 2020, it's time for the church to be the church. The miraculous should flow through all of us. All it requires is faith and works. Those people hadn't fasted. They hadn't prayed. They didn't prepare for the miracle. They were caught on the spot. On, on, they weren't ready for it. All they heard was in 30 seconds, God wants you to do it. And I can promise you the look I got was like, uh, who, me? <laughs> but you know what happened when they begin to pray unit and unity? And that little boy's feet all of a sudden unwithered in front of their eyes. Faith went across that group of 70 people. And I promise you, when they get a chance to pray for something again, they're going to be ready. Because they know who did it and they know who's in charge. Faith cometh by hearing. This is interesting. This guy in the orange shirt. Again, this is a guy named Tim. He's from uh, Brother John and Chantry Dean's church in Arkansas, Calvary, United Pentecostal Church. Tim was an executive at Walmart. He had been diagnosed with an extremely rare neurological condition. When I got to the church that morning, he, was, uh, he wasn't even there. He was at home because he is so debilitated. He's in a wheelchair, and the doctors gave him three years to live. He'd been to the Mayo Clinic, and they had been using him as a test subject because the strand of the disease he had, they had no record of it on the books anywhere. He was their, their test subject, and they already told him, three years, you will be dead. He had to resign from corporate Walmart, had a very high-paying job, very successful businessman, and he was relegated to three years death sentence. But you know what happened? We had service that morning. And Tim had heard that God had healed people in Malawi. He said, God can heal me in Arkansas. He told his wife, we're going to church tonight. And she said, Tim, you know, we can't do it. It's too much work getting you in the, the wheelchair and in the van. And, and, and he lived in constant pain. This man was in pain 24 hours a day for years. But Tim said, God can do it. He came to the service that night and he stood in the altar and before he came, while he was coming to the altar, Brother John Dean stood up in that church and he shouted, I believe, I believe God can do anything. And when he said that, it sent a shockwave through that church of faith. And Tim began walking, come, uh, wheeling up that aisle by his wife in that wheelchair. And as we begin to pray for him, it, no healing came within five minutes. No healing came within 15 minutes. But after 20 minutes of praying and his wife saying, God, you you are the healer. God, you are the miracle worker. God, you are well able to heal my husband. God, you can remove this disease from his body. After 20 minutes, all of a sudden, that man, six foot five, 300 pounds, let out a cry. I feel no more pain. And he stood up out of that wheelchair and the hands went up in the air and he prayed for another 30 minutes and Brother Dean was just crying, saying this man hasn't been able to touch his head in two years and his arms have been in the air for 30 minutes and then after that, he spent another half an hour in the altar praying for other people. God is a miracle worker. But some of us think, but not for me. Yes, for you. Pam, God will heal you. He can do it. God can do it, sister calls. God can do it with any of us. There's nothing too great for God. There's nothing, 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 nothing shall be impossible. 
to them that believe. God is no respecter of persons. God heals everything. Don't think I'm getting far out of there, but let's go to mechanical things. I remember driving back in the old Land Cruiser with Donald Knight, Brother Knight from Stone Mountain, Georgia. Him and Pastor and Brother Weidman, all three married us. You know it was a wild wedding, but it takes three pastors to get you married. Amen. It's going to be a long ride home today. God help me. I love you. Brother Knight's 82 years old. He's in great shape. And I'm driving a 1997 Land Cruiser at the time with probably more miles than you can imagine. And it stops. The front tire is dragging on the highway. I pull over the entire, if you're not mechanical, just bear with me, but maybe someone here mechanical needs to hear this. The entire front wheel bearing and hub had burned up and shot all the grease out and it seized. It all fused together. I pulled over. The hub was literally glowing red on the front right tire. I tried to take it off. The lug nuts were even melted to the rim. You couldn't even move the thing. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm 150 miles from my house. It's going to be dark in two hours. I've got an 82-year-old pastor here and AAA does not exist in Malawi. And we are going to be stuck here probably for a day or two. And I'm thinking, what do we do? And you know what you do in those moments? You pray. Pray first. Quit panic and pray first. And I said, God, we need help. I can't repair this truck. I've, I can't take off the tire even. And the wheel bearing is shot if I put the spare on it anyway. This truck will not move. But I said, God, you know we've got to get home. And where we were, it was far away from a town. It was a little bit dangerous where we were. I'm thinking I've got 82-year-old brother Knight here. He's never going to come again. Uh, and I don't want any of us getting killed tonight. Amen. And you know what? I started the truck back up and that tire broke loose. I drove home for an hour, two hours, a 55 mile an hour, got the truck back. We pulled in the gate right at dark. I got up, called the mechanic immediately and said, you've got to be here in the morning. We've got major problems. He said, I'll be there. I got up, took the children to school in the same truck, brought them back. I we got it, went in the house and I get a knock on the door. Ron, the mechanic is there. Mr. Ron Merrick. He knocks on my door and says, I need to talk to you, pastor. I come out and I said, what's going on, Ron? He said, what you look at this tire and this front rim. He said, uh, how did you get home yesterday? I said, Ron, I also went to school this morning. He said, look at this. He said, this entire thing is fused. He said, try to move the tire. You couldn't even move it. He said, the entire thing is fused from the heat. He said, this is impossible for this tire to move an inch. How did you drive home and how did you take your kids to school? You know what? Some people say that's not a miracle. I know that God stepped in and God intervened. If God will heal an inanimate object just to get us home safely, how much more will he heal or mend or restore one of his children that he died for? It's his good pleasure to give us every perfect gift comes from God. He wants involved in your life every single day. Pray first, get him involved. Get him involved. I've got to hurry to a close so we can pray in the altars. You got government problems in Malawi in 2012. The president of Malawi at the time went crazy. He became a dictator, brought in mercenaries from Zimbabwe, shot 17 people during demonstrations over the next several days. We had no food in the country for a month and no fuel for a month. But days before that, God spoke to me and said, fill up both tanks on the Land Cruiser. We made it all the way through the fuel shortage because that's how God works. But it was dangerous in the country. 
no food anywhere. And you know what? We prayed first. The church went on a fast for 30 days. We prayed and we fasted from supper to supper the entire month of March. On April 5th, the president died and the country went back to normal. You can say what you want to, but I know God stepped in on behalf of praying people. A man in perfect health dropped over dead. I'm not saying, I'm not asking you to pray for your enemies that way. We didn't pray for President Bingu Wamuterika to die. But I'm telling you, with him still in the office, we had no chance of anything changing. But God will step into any situation if my people will pray and believe. You got paperwork problems. You got government problems. Get God involved. Our first container, when we tried to clear it, it was coming in the country. I went to the offices of the Malawi Revenue Authority, basically the IRS. They're the ones that clear your shipping containers coming in the country. Everybody I talked to that already done it said, you're going to have to pay bribes. It's going to be a nightmare. You may not even get it in the country. They may refuse it and send it back, and you have to pay to ship it again just out of frustration. They said, I'm just telling you now, Pastor, it's going to be a nightmare. And you know what? We got a little nervous, didn't we? But we prayed. And we said, God, you've got to go before us into MRA. We don't have the ability. We don't have the connections. We don't know who to get in touch. We don't know what to do. And I'm not paying bribes. Lord, you've got to step in. And you know what? I, we prayed that morning. I drove over to MRA. I walked in. And I said, where do I go? They said, this office. I walk into the office. The door shuts behind me. There's desks everywhere of executives. And I'm just standing there. And they're staring at me like, why are you here? And all of a sudden, a man walks out of the back of that corner. And a nice suit walks up to me. And he says, my name is Ephraim. And he said, you at that? That means? I said, yes, I do. Fruitful in the land of my affliction. He said, I'm here to help you. And I said, how do you know who I am? He said, what do you need? Your container cleared? I said, I do. He said, give me the paperwork and in three days come back. I gave Ephraim the paperwork. In three days I came back and the container was cleared because God sent me an Ephraim in the middle of MRA. I'm telling you, God will make you fruitful in the land of your affliction. God will bless you when everyone says it's impossible. God will show you time and time again that all things are possible to them that believe and them that speak it. We've got to speak to it. We've got to speak to it. I don't have time to go through all the examples. When JC fell and cut her head open and she had a massive cut all the way to the skull on the back of her head, we took her into the hospital there and we knew it was going to be a precarious because it's not a safe place to be. You normally get sicker at the hospitals in Malawi than you do at home. And we walked in and I didn't have anything to suture her up with. And we walked in and there's a man walks up. He says, what can I help you with? I said, my daughter's head is severely cut. He says, I want you and you out of the room. He said, you can stay. So I got to stay. He went over there and sutured up her head, put it back together, said everything's going to be fine. We walked out of that hospital, and I've been in that hospital hundreds of times. And I even went back and said, where is the surgeon that was in the emergency room? They said, we don't know who that man is. There is no man here. It's a lady, and then it's this doctor from the Philippines. And I said, this was a Malawian man. They said, well, there's no one here. He was short and stocky, real clean cut. We don't have anybody. I don't know who that man was, but I know we prayed, and God intervened, and God stepped in. And if you say that's not a miracle, you're the same people that will go home without your answer. You have not because you ask not. Your heavenly father, it's his desire. He died to give you power. He died to heal us. He died to step in and do the impossible. 
not just on anniversaries, not just on special occasions, but whenever you ask. He didn't say, and if you ask, he didn't say on only the Sabbath, but whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do. And greater works than these shall you do. It's his desire for us. God is no respecter of persons. He wants to get involved. Let me hurry to a close. God can meet us financially. God can meet us in mechanical ways. God can step in in our health. God wants involved in our lives and the miraculous every single day. Faith explosion. I don't have a picture for this one. But I remember standing in the crusade several years ago. And I remember watching on the left side of the platform, there were thousands of people there in the altars. And I remember looking across that field, that soccer field. There's no grass on it, it's just dirt. And I remember watching an old lady pushing an old man, older gentleman in a wheelchair. And she was put, and what caught my attention was there was nobody over there, no cars. They were just coming from that direction where the path down was over here. So I guess it just caught me out of my peripheral vision. And I'm watching and I got concerned because she was pushing him across that field so fast. And it's very uneven ground. And the man's head was just, shaking and I thought oh my god if he's not sick he's going to be and if he's got up he's already in a wheelchair she's going to kill the guy you know that that's how I think I know you guys are more spiritual than that but I, I did I thought oh god you know keep him safe she's going to kill him and she's just pushing him and I mean she's moving frantically and all of a sudden when she broke into the altar that man came up out of that wheelchair and starts dancing and shouting and, and I'm thinking okay was he just letting her do all the hard work until he got to the altar <laughs> again you don't think that way I do sorry apologize I'll take my medicine later but I'm out of it so it's getting really wild by next week praise God you'll catch that later some of you are wondering but you know what that man testified after the service and he said you know what he says I'm not Pentecostal he said I was in Queen Elizabeth Hospital on hospice he said I've been given two days to live he said my kidneys are shutting down I'm dying and he said I seen a flyer came through this hospital about the crusade that would be here today and he said when I touched that flyer a voice spoke to me and said if you can get to the altar I will heal you and that man told his wife you're getting me out of this hospital. You're taking me down there. And the wife refused. She said, you will die. She called in the doctor and the doctor of Queen Elizabeth Hospital said, sir, you will be dead by the time you get to the curb to get the bus to go. They said, you have days to live. Enjoy it with your family. Enjoy it with your wife. You cannot get in a vehicle and we cannot sign you out. You will die. He said that I'm doing it myself. And he began pulling out the cords. And the doctor said, if you're that serious, it's your life. And they made him sign a waiver because they said, you will be dead by the time you get to the out of your room and out to the curb to even get a taxi to take you but you know what that man made it out of there got to that taxi and made it to that field and that was that man bumping across that field and when he hit that altar the voice that told him I will heal you honored that word and healed him completely and delivered that man of that death sentence that was on him God is willing to do anything for people that will believe him and put his word to the test if you believe that let's clap our hands one more time on to the Lord. I got another video, then we've got to pray. Born blind in the crusade several years ago, this lady, we've seen her show the next video. We just look down off the platform and this is what we see. 
I like a normal Pentecostal service. One person dancing, everybody watching. I didn't say that. I'm sorry. Go back to the other picture. Everybody was wondering what was going on. And that lady comes up on the platform weeping. And she was in her late 50s. And she said, I was born blind. But standing in this audience today, my friends brought me. And she stood there and she looked back. She said, my friends, you're there in the far, they said, in the far back of that crusade environment. She said, I see you now. You're back there. She said, you brought me, but now I can see you. She was in her late 50s, born blind. Nobody laid a hand on her, but her faith in Jesus Christ. He touched her and healed her of her blindness in that service. That's why she came out and began dancing before the Lord, rejoicing because God God had healed her of her blindness. You know what? God is no respecter of persons. If we will reach out to him by faith, God can touch us right where we are. And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast.